folks, welcome back. We got a brand new episode of Bullet Points 716. I'm your host, Degenerate Al. Today with me, we got Kevin Masseri, Ty B, show sponsor, West Her Automotive. Kev, what do we got to do with West Her? Buy from Bunt. Oh, buy from Bunt is the thing to do. I stopped down there last weekend. You got to get down Main Street, East Aurora, West Her dealership to buy from Bunt. They got a great deals all across the lot. Tons of great used vehicles. But you can stop through. There's, what, like 27 locations, something like that, Al? Oh, it's just ridiculous. The number's out of control. And we got hashtag buy from Bunt trending on Twitter. I mean, it's unbelievable. The guy does a great job out there on the lot. That's a guy, he's posting his cell phone number. Contact him if you need a vehicle. Wintertime is here in Buffalo, New York. Give him a call. There's some money SUVs on the lot right now. But, uh, yeah, I mean, let's go. Let's get right into it. UB basketball talk right away. We are almost halfway through December. The UB Bulls are now 6-3. and three. And, obviously, early in the week, they, they took a brutal loss to Vanderbilt on the road. Then Sunday night, they take on DePaul on Fox Sports 1, an undefeated DePaul, a team that if they beat UB to go 10-0, was realistically going to be in the top 25. UB was a nine-point underdog, and they got it done on the road, 74-69. The last big East win. What? Nice. They only allowed 69 points. That's, That's what I'm talking about. The last big East win for UB? 2007 against USF. So, Kev, started with you, your initial thoughts on this big road win for the Bulls. Yeah, I mean, they shut down Charlie Moore. Really good defensive performance from Antoine Johnson. Um, I think that the team played fantastic defensively. They've been really struggling on the defensive side of the floor to me lately. DePaul's a pretty good defensive team. Adjusted defense is 42nd in Kempom. They're 61 uh, ranked right now. So they were I guess a fairly uh, overrated 9-0 team was the reason they weren't ranked at 8-0 at the point. I mean, not a lot of advanced statistics in their favor, uh, not a good strength of schedule, like really in the 200 range. Um, they they play pretty good offense. Tempo is 129. So there's nothing there that's overly jumps out to you, but they pl- they've played solid basketball. We caught them on a you know a bad year, meaning that they're good. Usually, it'd be a good time to get a Big East win and maybe maybe handle them. But you know they came out strong um, in, in this season and both played great defensively. They saw something on, on on tape that they could they could be aggressive and take advantage. Rebounded really well. Um, it was it was a really good game. And I mean I, they struggled at times to shoot it. They they still have been doing their little four or five minute stretches. They were up 19 in the second half, and honestly, guys, they came roaring back. Ty, so what did you see um, from your vantage point? Yeah, so I thought it was a good all around team win from the Bulls. Obviously, early on you had Rondo Segu uh, leading the way with 12 points there in that first half, and then Javon kind of took over in the second half, which was huge because. Like we've pointed out earlier on in the season, this team goes through those stretches where no one's scoring, and you need guys like Javon to step up in those key times um, because of some other guys struggling. Um, I think Devontae and some of these other guys, when they were getting to the rim, could have got maybe a couple more calls in the second half. Um, Obviously, you're not always going to get all of them, but um, it's no excuse. you got to keep playing, and I thought they really did that. 
Um, they forced a ton of turnovers. I think it was like 15 in the first half. Uh, they they looked great defensively. That was probably you know the biggest takeaway from that game is you know they're going to probably be able to play with almost anyone in the country just because of that. Um, they're going to have that same tenacity that they've had for these past couple of seasons. Um, you have guys like Paul Reed on DePaul who are, you know, legit players. Uh, Reed ended up with 18 rebounds, 15 points, only six of 15 shooting though, because I think, uh, down low and Bala especially play, did a good job contending a lot of those shots. They did a good job switching, which they struggled with earlier on in the season. So that's a real good thing going in to this deeper part of the schedule there, Al. Yeah, and I think this team right now reminds me of the Buffalo Bills earlier in the year when it was it, like during the, the the game, you never had a full team victory. You know what I mean? Where it was whether the offense, the defense, the special teams. And with UB, like you had like in this game against DePaul, Mbala, a quiet game from him. Jonathan, once again, only plays 18 minutes with five points. The bench, even though they outscored uh, DePaul 25-5, to 5, it's really only Sagu that's putting up numbers there. So it's just like I cannot wait until you have a combined effort from this UB Bulls team, and that's why they've been inconsistent. You know, you lose to Dartmouth, but then you beat Harvard. You know, you keep it somewhat close with UConn in the first half, and then you get blown out. They looked disinterested, in my opinion, and not a lot of effort against Vanderbilt. But then they come against DePaul, and they get the job done, obviously, because of Javon Graves. Jordan's stat line is unbelievable. It's to go once again off the bench. So, Kev, it, I don't know how you feel about that, but it's they haven't really played that full team game yet. Yeah, I mean, they struggled mightily uh, in the Vanderbilt game. I mean, didn't play in the lick of defense, actually. Um, they're 300th in the nation in, in allowing points. Um, it's a far cry from the Nate Oates teams of, of really, you know, pressing with Devante or Dante Carruthers and really getting after it there on the defensive side of the floor, allowing 75 points per game and just never really had a flow defensively, even for a moment against Vanderbilt. Um, they played okay at offense on times in this game, uh, in the Vanderbilt game, but you're right. They were inconsistent and, and seriously didn't, you know, didn't play a lick of any type of defense, got way too many fouls. Um, and just I, I think three of their six players were in foul three or three of their top seven players were four fouls in that game. So um, it was a disappointing game. I think maybe the stage was a little bit too big for I mean, you do have some seniors on this team, but relatively inexperienced. You know, you have Mbala, Williams, Grant, uh, who is a redshirt senior uh, transfer, but really hasn't ever played. Uh, Antoine Johnson and Devante Jordan or Dante uh or excuse me, Devontae Jordan have played in big games and, and Javon Graves, obviously, too, guys. So um, but the rest of the team hasn't. And it's, I think that caught up to him. And I think that's where you're, you mentioned the inconsistency. But then you go into a uh, DePaul Stadium, which was pretty. I, I don't know what you guys saw. It was pretty dead in there in yeah. Chicago. I mean, you had whites will have. So I think said brought a bunch of people out. I mean. Um, but you need, I mean, Graves struggled. I mean, he, he, where the, the, the bulls are going to go as far as Graves go. And I mean, he struggled. I mean, it was probably one of his worst games lately against Vanderbilt to me. Um, and you know, he bounces back with a really good performance, 21.7 boards, um, keeping his fouls down with two, only two turnovers, you know, three from seven from the, from three point line, which just played a really solid basketball game against DePaul. He just didn't see that in Vanderbilt and, the Bulls might go as far, and he's got to be ready for the step, but he's the guy now. They're going to go as far as he's going to go. 
um, and the inconsistencies got to change on the defensive side of the floor, which has been pretty awful all season. Um, they played a lot, lot better against DePaul. So that was a really encouraging moment to see them actually step up and, and, and play this defense um, and actually increase their Ken Palm to 125. So what do you think about the defensive side of the floor, Ty? Yeah, obviously they've struggled at times. Um, you mentioned how they lost to Dartmouth, and a big part of that was they had no defensive answer to the pick-and-roll game. Um, <clears throat> guys were just getting the basket way too easily with no one getting that guy who was getting you know, off the pick. And I think we're seeing them sort of pick up what Weitzel's really trying to preach to them now. Um, as we get a little bit more on, there's a lot more communication, it seems, on the defensive side. They struggled at times there against Vanderbilt, but I think a lot of it, too, was them trying to sort of press because things weren't going very well on the offensive side. You only shoot you know, yeah. 39% from the floor, only 21% from three, and I think they were really just sort of trying to do a little bit too much at times there, and you you get behind and you're trying to claw back and it was just a little bit too much for them there um obviously though against DePaul you get that lead and you just sort of hold on there through the bad times offensively and they were able to do that because that defensive game was much more sound they were forcing DePaul into taking deeper twos and pretty much all contested shots um there were there weren't too many open threes um, I think that they're really starting to pull things together and it's going to be a big part, especially, you know, you can't have Justin Bala as your only big man. You're going to have to get Hardnett more involved. Um, and I think if he can get better with his communication, getting some, uh, chemistry with some of these forwards and just being able to figure things out, I think that's going to be a huge key going forward Al. Two things. One, I gotta say. That game against Vanderbilt, it looked like the team was out on Broadway before the game. Yeah, yeah I did. Yeah, or, or the night before. Yeah, early I, on, for I, I sure. Can't, I can't believe that's, that it's how they looked like. They just, like I said, disinterested, no energy, not hustling for loose balls. And that just wasn't a typical, you know, UB Bulls team that you see. And when it comes to the big men, like you said, Ty, be spot on. Like, you can't just have Mbala. I mean, after, I mean, like. And Jonathan Williams, I mean, he's nowhere near. He, he's not a four. He's not a power forward. I mean, and then all you have is Harden off the bench. He only had 13 minutes um, against DePaul. But what, uh, Kev, I don't know, have you heard anything about Brock? Any injury update? Yeah, I did. I did get an update uh, from the team. Um, he is expected back. He's still on a boot as of now, but he's expected back for that NAU opening game on 1-4. I think they're pushing for the 1230 Bonnie's game, um, but I don't think that that's likely. I think that he's going to be probably still about a month out um, right for the beginning of Mac play. Um, and then on, on Fagan, um, I still think it's chance you probably see him toward the second half of the Mac schedule, but we'll see if I mean, it's going to be up to the player what he thinks is best for his knee. Um, and there is some rumblings, nothing official that either of those two, maybe one, maybe the other, maybe neither do transfer out as grad seniors. Yeah. Wow. I mean, okay. So I thought, so Fagan, he was supposed to be back like earlier in the year or in the season. I thought it was supposed to be like early Mac play, right? Yeah. I mean, it's I, it, pro pro sports. You, yeah. I mean, he would be back probably the same time Brock's back. Yeah. 
I, I don't know the protocol once you start getting down to the rehab and, you know, toward the final stages of it. Like if the player has something to say about it, like how it really works. Uh, I was just told that both Mac play um, Brock probably super early in Mac play. And we'll have to wait on, on Fagan on that one. So, um, yeah, so we'll see if the UB gets any reinforcements there. I'm actually really, I don't know, these are two guys that didn't do anything for this great team last year, but um, could really help out. I'm excited to see these guys back. I think they both could really be key pieces. And I've been disappointed with the the, the, the newcomers, really, beside Mbala, who I don't want to say struck gold, but I don't know. Guys, what would this team have done? We've said it a couple of times without him getting this waiver. Um, oh, my I God. Think, I don't think that they, they – I don't know what they would have done. They'd have none done. terrible. I don't know what would have happened. If, what did he have? Did he end up with 17 boards? Was it 17 against DePaul? Uh, 14. Check my stat. 14, okay. 14, 14 and, yeah. and 6 offensive boards. I mean, still like top of the country in those. Played a really sound defensive game. Uh, didn't do much from the field. 0 for 5, 2 points is worst performance on the offensive side. But just was, was great on defense. Was great energy. 27 minutes. One of my favorite players on this team, really great addition. Um, when, when when he's in the game with with Graves and, and Jordan and and you know Jonathan at times, it, it is def- their starting lineups definitely their best their best um, their best team. So Sagu gives him a little energy off the bench. He can be in there at times if Johnson's missing shots. But outside of that, I mean, their starters are really their their premier lineup. Um, and it, it's just such a struggle between Nickelberry, Harnett, and Grant and. It's just not there right now, Ty. What, what, what do you think about what about that? Yeah, I, I mean, I really hope Fagan and Brock can get back soon because you would like some of them just to eat some minutes. If Mbala gets into foul trouble, like uh, against Vanderbilt and against UConn, like you would just like another big body in there just to be able to contend some shots and to be able to match up with the other teams big because uh, they're really struggling to do that off the bench with Hardnet right now. Um, he's not really a true five. He's really a stretch four. So it's tough yep. for him to make that adjustment. Um, and he just doesn't have the muscle mass to really contend with true Division One bigs. Um, so it'd be nice just to get a guy like Brock in there who just has some more size who can play with them uh, down low. But, you know, I think once we get into Mac play here, Mbala is really going to eat up these Mac bigs. I don't think anyone is really on the same caliber as him. I think he's he with his athleticism, his blocking ability, um, what he can really do down low against some of these guys who aren't going to be as big, as physical, as athletic as him, I think he's going to really eat up in some of these games. I think you'll see a nice little double-double stretch from him for a while once we get into Mac play. So I wanted to ask you guys this too. How many blocks do teams typically average in a game? Like, is there a set number typically around? Like, is it usually, you know? Because I was looking at this box score against DePaul. DePaul had 11 blocks against DePaul. I think Hardnet got blocked. I, I can't. It, it was definitely two. It might have been three times in one sequence. Yeah. I'm not 100%. Yeah. Um, <laughs> three times in three one times sequence. In one sequ- it, it was definitely two. I cannot recall if the third one was a bad shot or it got blocked. Um, I mean, I'm just saying, looking at that, that's insane. 11 blocks for one team, five by one player, by Reed for DePaul. Oh, yeah, I mean, down low. yeah, he was. He, he was absolutely eating. I mean, 
I think you're what averaging about you're going Probably for four blocks nine. a game. I think. Well, you think like, eight to ten. If you got like a good, a couple of good big men, probably eight to nine, and like an average NBA game. So college probably a little less, like six to seven. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's that's probably right. And as a mid major, we're probably more in the four to five range. Um, but yeah, like if you have a big, like we have Impala. Mm-hmm. Um, I would let you call it six. So six, and then say they're power five. You know, they're getting you know, the Paul is the Paul. I probably call call it six or seven. I mean, they about double it against saw, us. But we've been seeing yeah. Devonte get some real big blocks lately, and you'd love to see those, especially those chase down plays. Um, yeah. especially, you know, contending those one-on-one opportunities where it looks like an obvious, you know, easy basket. So that's, you know, a great, great thing to see. Um, he's not going to give up those easy baskets. All right, guys. Question that's a huge topic right now with UB basketball is the transfer graduate seniors for these Bulls. Obviously, Antoine Johnson, Gabe Grant, We're supposed to be huge parts of this team here in 2019 uh, for the UB Bulls. And right now, they're definitely both underperforming. Uh, You know, you're looking at the stat line, you know, Gabe Grant against the ball, two for nine from the field. Antoine Johnson, three for 11. Uh, Kev, you gave me that stat from the Charleston tournament. I think what Johnson missed like 20 consecutive shots, 20, consecutive, um, yeah. you know, you know, before, before the season, I'm hearing things that this guy could potentially be the Mac player of the year. Best and shooter. Coach B called him the best shooter he'd ever seen. The best shooter. Exactly. And like, but we've seen before non-conference Jeremy Harris has struggled. Oh yeah. Um, you know, in, in, in previous years. So it's like, I'm not ready to, you know, throw in the towel yet, Kev, but, like, what needs to change with these two players? Because, I mean, we need to see more out of both these guys if UB is going to be successful in that play. I mean, I'll start it off with a little laugh. Or, I mean, uh, Antoine Johnson shot 9% against Missouri State and 8% against Towson. Um, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, it's, it's, that's, that's just really poor 31% on the year. Um, he's only been over, th- uh, 31%. So it looks like he did it against Nazareth at Harvard and then William and Mary. So I need to see him go over 31% more than three games. So it's not like the, it's just that Missouri state and Towson game bringing down his average. Um, besides you take those two out and he's still averaging probably more toward, you know, 35%. I mean, it's been poor. He's been poor in a lot of games this year. Um, and he just, uh, he's just not getting it done. He needs to be a little more confident. I think he needs to shoot less. I think that's part of what's frustrating. It isn't that he misses a three. I mean, he's, um, he's shooting, you know, on average one for six from three. I mean, if that's your average, you just got to stop it. I mean, it's just, it's gotta, it's gotta change. Um, so he, he, he's high energy guy. He's been playing better defense, which we know defense leads to offense shot three for 11 against the Paul still not there. Um, you know, so in this stretch, he went seven for 24. I mean, it's still, it's just still, it's just a really poor performance and I will turn. So I think there's the light at the end of the tunnel for Johnson. Um, he's got some games here coming up that he needs to show out in. Um, he's got a couple, he's got a big stretch here before the three games before Bonnie's. Um, but he needs to get right for that Bonnie's game. I think there's, there's, there's hope there. He, I see the stroke. I see the confidence. I see how good UB could be. If he's, if he's good, UB's really good. If he's not good, UB needs to make up those points and Graves is the only guy consistent. Now you turn it to the, to a role player and 
and Gabe Grant, a guy I wasn't too thrilled with signing out, out of the big Oats class. He was probably one of my least favorite recruits. I thought they could have used it the spot somewhere else, especially after getting Johnson already as a, as a senior um, and bringing in a big recruiting class. So I was never high on him to begin with. He transferred a couple times, never really even came close to any type of potential. We've seen that work, though, in Toledo with Fletcher. Um, so, you know, I was holding out hope. We saw a huge first game against Damon. And we were like, well, you know, I'm excited to see what can happen with him. And I mean, he's just been a catastrophe to me. Um, he gives at times he can give some minutes and he can get some boards. Um, so we'll talk about the positives. But he's been a real struggle to find a stroke. He's been even worse than Johnson at times. He plays less defense. Um, he's been a struggle. It's been a really, really hard to have, you know, a guy that you were expecting to be playing with Segu for the sixth man, you know, really going for four points a game, shooting 28% and 27% from three, taking a lot of shots. Um, so that's a struggle. So I don't know if you've seen anything they can do to improve that tie, but for me, I think they need to clean it up. I mean, they need to stay confident, but at the same time, I mean, you need to play a little bit more defense if your shot's not falling and you need to, you know, maybe drive it a little bit more and take a little bit more easy shots until your shot's falling. Yeah, and I think that's a key point there for Antoine Johnson is he really needs to improve his efficiency. Um, I think you can't get mad at him when he's taking some of these open threes. He's not taking too many contended right. ones. So if he's got that open three, yes, take it. Um, you can't get mad about those. Um, what he needs to cut out of his game are some of these contested deep twos, these step-back twos. They're just not falling for him right now. I know that might be part of his game traditionally, but right now it's not working, and we've seen in you know the modern NBA game, uh, it's not it's not a great shot. Um, it, it'd be better off taken anywhere else. He's doing a good job getting to the rim too, and some of those just aren't falling. I think if he's smarter about taking a shot slash and getting it under ten shots, I think he can perform much better just taking those open threes and getting to the rim the way he is. Um, I think he's going to be able to dish it off as some of these other guys, and that'll eventually open up some more of these things in his game. Um, and when it comes to Gabe Grant, I think he he's just trying to play way too much iso ball. He's not fully involved in this offense. He's getting the ball, and he's just got a scorer's mentality. He thinks he's Kobe, and he just needs to relax and really allow the game to come to him. I think he needs to slow things down a little bit. And, you know, slash to the rim a little bit. Use your size. Get something in close. Start to open things up because that three ball, he has a good shot as well. I think doing those things will get him some more open looks, you know, deeper out behind the arc. And I think that's more of his game. I think that's what he needs to be doing rather than trying to beat guys off the dribble and doing the things he's doing right now, Al. So, guys, looking ahead here in December, rest of the non-conference slate. You got uh, Army coming up this Saturday, and then you got the big four matchups with Canisius, Niagara, St. Bonaventure before you get into MAC play. So I think UB's got five consecutive home games uh, coming up because I think they open up against Northern Illinois on Saturday the 4th. But, Kevin, these four games, anything specifically you're looking at, any key matchups? I mean, should UB handle all four of these teams? Yeah, you'd like to say that it's 4-0 stretch. Bonnie's gotten a little bit better. Um, they've won, I think we've counted four straight. Um, yep, four straight going into Gannon, which will be a fifth, and then Niagara, which will be a sixth. 
Middle Tennessee, Antoine Johnson's old school is about a 50-50 game for them on the road. Middle Tennessee's not playing great, 4-6 and six team. So they could really be riding a 4-5-6-7 game winning streak into into Alumni Arena. Um, I They've risen fast in Ken Palm, um, so we'll go through that real quick. So the Ken Palm and then this, this stretch, mini stretch coming up here. Start with Army, and that's the first game, 276. Um, they're just not a very good team. They're a tempo team. They're 44th in tempo. So it's interesting that they'll play some tempo. Um, they've played nobody in their schedule, been four and four through it. Uh, adjusted offense is 288. You're, you're not going to get threatened there at all, especially at home. Um, if some of these were on the road, I guess we could talk about it a little bit differently. Uh, Canisius 230, you know, probably a little slight step after beating Bonnie's above Army to me. Same type of deal. Or, you know, the Reggie teams. Medium pace, 134, 251 on, on offense, a little scrappy defensively. Uh, I don't I don't I don't envision any problem there, guys. And then Niagara, one of the worst teams in college basketball, did win two straight games um, at two and five now. Um, super slow team and 224th tempo, 291 on offense, 331 on doesn't really play. Don't believe really play a lick of defense. Um, no, no issues there. And then Bonnie's who shot up the, these rankings um, to be 123rd. So really just a step below Buffalo at five and four play an incredibly slow game. 337th tempo, 100th in defense. We know they like to play D with their, their big, you know, their big men, especially with them back and healthy. Osani's back. And then, you know, 188 and offense, really not world beaters there. Um, I think 4-0, it's tough, like we mentioned earlier in this pod, for them to win. Uh, it'd be five straight with this DePaul win, and then really wouldn't be five straight. It would really, it would be five straight, but it would be eight out of nine. Do they have that kind of consistency in them, guys? I really hope so. Going into that NIU, Ball State, Miami, I mean, those are three MAC games they should win right away. So. We'll see if they can win all these games. They certainly should, but I just hope Bonnie's isn't the game that they are getting right at the wrong time for Buffalo um, and wiping away that early Ohio, Canisius, Siena, Vermont losses away from their minds and take this big, big, you know, UB win into their A-10 play. So. 4-0, guys, that's what I have him at. I could see him slipping against Bonnie's, but really going 4-0 and finishing the slate 10-3, and I would have signed out for it. I really would have loved 11-2, but 10-3, and I can't be too mad about it. That's bearing they don't slip up. So what do you think about that, Ty? Yeah, I'm, I'm not too worried about Army this Saturday. I think that'll be a good game. Everyone should get out to Alumni Arena, get that place packed again. The students will be back. I believe they're not done with finals yet, so they will be there, right, Al? Ooh, that's going to be close. Uh, because I, there's no games in the MAC from um, today through till Saturday. There's zero games being played. Yeah, we need the people there getting some support for them. Um, <clears throat> it's always a great environment at Alumni Arena. Um, I don't think they're going to have a problem there with army canisius and niagara aren't too good um obviously niagara just got their first two wins after uh beeline left and you know that whole thing and who knows whatever is going on there with that program um they're they're looking to get things right it's not going to happen against ub um i think hopefully some of these other guys who are struggling can maybe get some breakout performances against some of those teams as you get into Bonnie's where you have a little bit uh, of more of competition. You know, Bonnie's has a couple bigger guys on their roster, so 
that'll cause a little bit of problems for, you know, that UB front court. Hopefully they'll be up for that task there. And I think um, right there with Kev, I think you got, you should be going four and in that stretch. Um, the only worry right there is Bonnie's I think, but UB should be able to get it done. Yeah, I mean, you look at these these big four schools, Canisius, Niagara, St. Bonaventure. You go to these programs, you go to these universities, what happens? I mean, you, you don't have a football team. Sometimes you'll have a good basketball team, and then you're thousands of dollars in debt after you graduate. You know, I don't care if it's a legacy thing or you got to keep going to these schools, whatever. I just don't understand it. You know, Canisius, Niagara, Bonaventure, right. whatever. You be, though, in that stretch – I got to think they go four and zero. Like you said, Kev, the the, the, the close matchup there is St. Bonaventure um, on twelve thirty. I think that's a Monday. It's a weird time, um, yeah. Yeah, it's a weird one on Monday. But yeah, I mean, no issues in that stretch. You got to hope at home they really get it together and ready to go for MAC play. More players on the bench stepping it up. Hopefully, they see more from Grant, see more from Johnson. Uh, maybe get a healthy Brock by that time. Uh, but yeah. And other than that, guys, UB football. Uh, I know, obviously, we're still a few days away. Uh, no, more than that. Obviously, like 10, 12 days away from um, uh, the first bowl game of the entire college football season where we have UB taking on Charlotte, the 49ers. And it's a weird matchup. It's the first game of the bowl season. It's at 2 o'clock on a Friday. Oh. So you got to take a half day, maybe a full day. I don't know what you want to do for that one. Um, but it's, you know, interesting matchup. I mean, I, I really want to see what that line And, you know, I know Ty, you had mentioned it. before the show, Kaz. I got, got it. it. Let's hear it. So, opened UB minus six and a half, sitting at minus five and a half right now, over under 57 and a half. I like it. I like it a lot. I like that. I like that opening line. I think UB should definitely be favored. Uh, Ty, what were you saying? They had 12 all Mac people. Yeah, so that'd be a UB school record. You had 12 All-Mac selections, um, the five to the All-Mac first team, obviously, Jarrett Patterson, uh, offensive tackle Evan Kassarzak, uh, Joey Banks, and then both defensive ends, Taylor Riggins and Malcolm Kuntz, five on the second team, Coyote nice. Awasika, Paul Nosworthy, uh, then you had Gaddafi Wright, Ladarius Mack, and Tyrone Hill on the defensive side. And the third team included Antonio Nunn and Big Boozy on Wuka. So you got to give a shout-out to all them. Uh, it's just a huge thing showing what this program is doing, being able to put this many into the All-Mac. That eclipsed the last year's record of 10 players. So, you know, it just goes to show Lance Leipold's bringing in continuous talent within this program, and they're doing a great job within the MAC, and they're really proving it to all the other coaches and media members. So it's a great thing to see, and it's going to be an awesome game, I think, against Charlotte. It's a great matchup, both teams, uh, physical running-style teams. I think UB's defense gives them the upper hand in this matchup. So it's going to be, you know, it's something I'm really excited for. I know this Bahamas Bull every year there's you know people in the stands going crazy like you can like run out on like the track or something like that so it's (laughs) gonna be all around a great time i think for all bulls fans and i'm real excited for it al yeah and another thing about this matchup too and it's so funny if you look at national writers trying to predict this game it's hilarious because they'll be like you look at the bulls offense they got jar pat and then that Bulls defense, led by Ladarius Mack, Khalil Mack's brother, 
It's hilarious. I, I find that so funny. Yeah, and obviously, Coons and Riggins serious. are first team All Mac. <laughs> And then, no, I know exactly. Yeah. Don't hang on the seven sacks from Lamac. No, you, Tab, you know what I'm saying though. It's just too <laughs> no, funny that they're like we're led by Ladarius <laughs> Mac, Khalil Mack's brother. I know it's against funny. Charlotte. So, and that's the reason why. He's, another reason why he's going to get drafted too. But, Tab, any uh, any final words from you about this? You know, matchup against uh, Charlotte or basketball? Yeah, real quick on football. I think they cover. Um, we'll get. We'll, we'll have a preview game, so we'll get into it more. But I think they cover, and I like. The, I do like the over actually. Um, I think they score some points both ways. So um, go UB. I think that really great news to see them with that type of uh, appearance in the All Mac teams, with all their defensive ends. Um, that's that's awesome. Some some draft picks there. Uh, yeah, real quickly, just to kind of recap our our conversation. Average blocks per game is four. Um, in NCAA, um, actually, DePaul is fifth in the country at 6.7. Um, so seven wow. blocks in the country leads the na- – if you have seven in a game, you lead the nation. Um, so four is average. It's really more like three and a half, um, to be specific, um, okay. for, for blocks per game. So just just that nugget. And I do have one final sound clip to play for you guys. You ready? Yes, fire. It's a train record. I have to say train record. I love those guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tell me what's up, man. Love so it. that was our fail, <laughs> Jerry Sullivan on on air. Given uh, they love those guys over there, train wreck. Dude, Jerry, that's Ty V's Jerry Sullivan. Yes, I used to remember Jerry Sullivan reading the Buffalo News during our baseball games back in high school. Uh, Got to give Jerry a shout out. Give all uh, the city honors centaurs a shout out. You know. Yeah, that's. I mean, honestly, I, I, ever since we started train wreck sports, Ty V joins us. Sullivan was a major that's a guy who we wanted to have on the show and I'll admit it you know I wasn't the most fond person of Jerry Sullivan I wasn't a hater but I'm like you know this guy's uh the way he acts on Twitter and all that but he was a phenomenal guest and once you get to know the guy sit down with him have an IPA have a cocktail he was awesome like I I can't wait to have that guy on the show again yeah it's it's Um, like if you met Larry David in person you'd be like Okay, I get, I get it. Like he's actually like that all the time, but like <laughs> for reasons. Like he's just kind of weird, but yeah. like I love it. Like you love it. You learn to love it. Exactly. Love Jerry. I will never think twice about you know his tweets, anything else. And like his tweets though, or it's like like he. I forgot exactly the quote on the show, but like it's it's just criticism. He's allowed to do that, and. Not every tweet he has is exactly negative. He's almost he's stating facts, but it's almost like the the fan doesn't want to hear it. Yeah, right. And that's and, that, and that's really what it comes down to. But um, yeah, everyone, thanks for joining us once again. Bullet point seven one six. This podcast will be will be available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Tybee, Kevin Masseri. Once again, this is a great show. We'll be back next week, obviously previewing. A huge matchup, the Bahamas Bowl against the Charlotte 49ers, and hopefully recapping a big dub against Army on Saturday at 2 o'clock at Alumni Arena. Show sponsor, Wester, hashtag buy from Bunt. Buy from Bunt. Good, good night now.